welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Silcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we're getting intellectual, whimsical, and philosophical. If a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, does it really fall? Likely, is an insurance policy that you can't claim on actually insurance? We'll have to ask some cerebral bankers. Oscar Wilde said the difference between stupidity and genius is that genius has its limits. He obviously wasn't aware that we're still building houses on Brisbane's floodplains. And if you're stuck in a flood, does crying about it only make it worse? We're not sure, but there is worrying research published on flash flooding. Hello everyone, this week I'm joined by Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Editor John Deeks, and any news of his death was greatly exaggerated. We welcome the return of Chairman Terry McMullen. Hello Terry, how the devil are you? G'day, Andrew. I'm not. I'm not completely certain that I'm not dead, but I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Hello, Wendy. Hello, Andrew. Have you kept Terry up to date on what we've been up to in his absence? Uh, not yet. This will take quite a lot of doing. <laughs> <laughs> and good morning, John. Hello. My understanding is there was absolutely no cricket news at all over the weekend. Well, yes, there was something. Yeah, England double world champions in white ball cricket, so that's okay. Uh, I, I didn't notice that, did you, Andrew? No, no. But I tell you what, there's certainly news about flooding moving swiftly on. Downs are still getting flooded, John, as this Annus Horribilis continues. But could we be queuing up more problems for the future by building on floodplains? If you can tell us about this week's analysis article. Yes, that's right. Unfortunately, there's more uh, fairly dire headlines in recent days. Towns like Forbes in New South Wales, having just got over recent floods, are, are being flooded again, unfortunately. It really has been a shocking year and a year that we probably should learn lots of lessons from. As our analysis report says, though, there's one one particular area that is still problematic, and that is building on floodplains. The Insurance uh, Council has been pretty effective uh, at getting its message across about spending more money on mitigation. And we've even had governments coming forward with multi-million dollar schemes to move properties out of harm's way. But we haven't yet been as successful on the message about land use planning. There are still developments getting the nod on floodplains and people in the industry are pointing out the ridiculousness of comparing spending millions moving people out of harm's way and at the same time putting more people into harm's way in the future. So we've had a close look at at what's going on and the reasons for it. Apparently it's pretty hard for local councils to turn down a development proposal if the land has already been designated as residential. They, They can't really turn it down and if they do, they could risk you know, lengthy court proceedings. So it is a tricky one, but I think we need to act on this sooner rather than later, or we're just storing up problems for the future. Well, paying millions of dollars to move some communities out of harm's way, and then at the same time, allowing new developments on floodplains. I mean, that seems like a new definition of insanity, Terry. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Building communities alongside rivers in Australia made sense way back when, but we've had a couple of hundred years to work out that floodplains are, in fact, stupid places to build, even if they are cheap. And it's still happening. Some state governments, not all, are wedged between the property industry's determination to build wherever they can make a buck, the community's need for you know affordable housing, and the legal and financial issue for councils who want to stop it happening. 
Of course, it doesn't become an issue until the river floods. The availability and cost of insurance in high-risk areas like floodplains should be a powerful argument that law for laws that the ban building in such places. But frankly, the most effective way to stop it would probably be laws controlling political donations from property companies. Welcome back, Terry. Well, while we're on floods, Wendy, there's also some worrying research published on flash flooding. Yes. Um, well, there's a lot of focus on daily rainfall totals, but this research has looked at short, sharp bursts of rainfall that fall in under an hour. So the researchers have looked at Bureau of Meteorology information from three overlapping radars and have found rapid rain bursts in the Sydney area have become at least 40% more intense in two decades. This has been published in the journal Science and the researchers from Melbourne University and the Climate Change Centre at UNSW in Sydney have written about it on the conversation. Um, And as they say, you know, this obviously increases the risks from flash flooding uh, in the Sydney region, but it's not clear yet whether these findings are also um, applicable across other regions. Seems a bit more complicated. What could this mean for the future, John? Well, I think it probably means that uh, a lot of our infrastructure might not be able to keep pace with this uh, sort of new level of flash flooding, which is which is being spoken about here. Another thing that might be left behind, I suppose, is insurance if this continues to get worse. This is just speculation, but you might see insurance companies starting to section off this kind of flooding as they do flooding from rivers and so on. They might start to assess this risk more closely and then, and then push up premiums in, in high-risk areas to, to account for that. Well, Wendy, in some other news, some of the big banks settled insurance class actions this week. What was all that about? Commonwealth Bank, ANZ and Westpac have settled class actions over the selling of consumer credit insurance. Um, And the total sum of those settlements is around $126 million. So this is insurance that's supposed to cover you if you can't make credit card or loan repayments because you lose your job or your health situation deteriorates or something like that. So Slater and Gordon uh, filed these uh, class actions back in 2020 over insurance being sold to people who might have been ineligible to ever actually claim or were very unlikely to be able to claim because they were already unemployed or had pre-existing health conditions. Or, or disabilities. And the, the lawyers also raised issues about whether people had actually given consent for the cover to be taken out and, and whether they knew it was optional. The agreement, uh, the settlement still has to be ratified by the court. So it'll be well into next year before people receive any money. Um, Slater and Gordon estimates up to a million people could be eligible to receive compensation. So it won't be a huge amount per person, ultimately. Well, although currently there's no admission of wrongdoing, Terry, selling insurance that people can't claim is not a great look, is it? No, no, no. And neither is the fact that there's no admission of wrongdoing, while it's perfectly obvious that your pants are down around your ankles. I think we're all clear on this issue now. The, the same with things like add-on insurance and warranties on, on used cars. Hopefully, we've put all this era of uninsurable insurance behind us. We've said sorry, and we've paid out enough in compensation to ensure no one in the insurance industry ever thinks of going back there. Well, we didn't attend this one, but the uh, Insurance Council of New Zealand held its conference last week. Wendy, what kind of things were they talking about? 
Well, this was their first in-person annual conference since before the pandemic. So there was quite a focus on how consumers are faring sort of in the wake of those disruptions and on well-being and vulnerability, particularly also with the cost of living expenses, you know, soaring as everyone's seeing at the moment. And of course, New Zealand has had its fair share of flooding and wild weather this year too. So you know, there was a lot of discussion about the need for more action on resilience and mitigation. And cyber was also a big issue. And Taylor Fry put out a report just on the state overall of things in New Zealand at the moment. And and that mentions that even though there's recognition of the need for cyber cover, fewer than 10% of New Zealand companies have uh, cyber policies. So, um, I mean, here as well, the, the level of cover taken out by small businesses is pretty low. So, yeah, a lot of those issues that came up at the conference were a lot of the things that we've been talking about here as well. What do you see as the key challenges for the New Zealand industry, Terry? Well, the fact that I don't live there, Andrew, much the same as Australia, I guess. Their, their problems are the economy, inflation, natural disasters, cyber, affordability, changing customer demands and so on. The, the New Zealand industry is dominated by Australian insurers anyway. And really, while, while Kiwis might think that that's a bad thing, it's actually a positive when it comes to negotiating better reinsurance rates and having real competition in the market. As for broking, Australian organisations now dominate across the Tasman too, which again is an advantage when it comes to things like professional development and keeping up with with products and consumer trends. So really, in most of the things that they're facing in New Zealand, they're, they're very similar to those in Australia. Well, finally, John, the Underwriting Agencies Council, UAC, is looking for a new leader. Is there still time for me to apply? Yes, yes, there is, Andrew. There's an ad on Seek. You can you can get the link for that from our website if you're interested. As many readers might remember, we we ran an interview with the retiring general manager of UAC, William Legg, in the last magazine, which sort of summed up his uh, influential career. But they need to move on and find a new leader. And they've changed the title to CEO, which I guess is just as part of their growth and development. UAC is now a much bigger organization than it used to be. And so is the premium pool that underwriting agencies right. So yeah, it's a big job. It involves putting into place the strategic plan, which they've come up with for the next five years. And as we know now, underwriting agencies are an absolutely crucial part of the insurance mix in this country and overseas. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big job and hopefully they get lots of high caliber entrants. Well, apart from answering not Andrew, what do you think UAC do need, Terry? <laughs> Look, I can remember the formation of UAC way back in the 90s and, and the people that I was talking to then. It, it was very focused on the Lloyd's market and, and its members had a, a fairly sharp pride in their specialness. Today, the underwriting agencies have a much stronger profile in the industry, and they're dealing with a broker market that values the alternatives that they offer. William Legg has done a huge amount over a long time to organise UAC and build that profile. And really, when you look at a replacement, you have to say it, it is going to depend the person they choose is going to depend on, on where UAC wants to go from here. They have real choices in their development in the future. So really bringing underwriting agencies as close as they can to the mainstream and everything like that is important. I hope they'll make the effort to decide on, on the road ahead before they just 
you know appoint anybody. I, I think this is a this is a, a crucial decision for them. And if I may, Andrew, can I make a quick shout out to the UAC president, Kurt Nielsen, who's home in Brisbane with a bout of COVID. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Darren McMullen, John Deeks and Wendy Pugh. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.